Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. My name is Jared Piles and with me is Dr. Robert McDowell. Hello. We are continuing our series on the what, why, and how of technology integration. We've gone through the three questions, what, why, and how. We did how twice, Hmm. paying special emphasis to that because as we discussed, it's an incredibly, uh, while technology is an incredibly useful tool, how you use it is even more important. Yes, it is. So now we are moving into the section of our series that we've done so far where we kind of stop and reflect and debrief. And we've done a lot of talk about why you should use it, what you should use, all these different things going through different um, frameworks and a lot of high-level talking. But I'm, I'm sure, Rob, that our listeners are going, okay, give me some practical stuff here. Sure. So what we have developed, and Rob, this is where I'll let you talk about this in depth, is trying to build a mental model to help educators approach the decision of whether or not they want to integrate technology into their curriculum. So take it away. So in order to do this, I think we've been really focused in, like if you could think of it as a Google map, and we've been talking about technology integration with the the what, the why, and the how, it's more like looking at a city level, um, you know, on Google Maps. If you, what we need to do right now, I think a little bit for our listeners is to back out, you know, maybe look at the state or the country or even the globe, if you will, and, and talk about a model, a mental model that helps us place technology usage and technology integration. So for me, there's a real simple model that I learned uh, probably about 15, 20 years ago. Um, And Dr. Terry Powell was the one who taught it to me. And it's called the planning cycle. It's really simple. You start with your needs. What do you need? What are those felt needs? What are the real needs? Differentiate between need and felt, or what do you say? Felt and... Real need and felt need. felt. Felt need is something you feel that's not necessarily true, but you feel it. You know, like... I feel like I need to have some chocolate, but do I really? Probably <laughs> not. Uh, what I need is good nutrition, right? So my desire is a felt need, but the real need underlying that is for my body to have good nutrition. So that happens in just about anything when it comes to our feelings and then what's real. And we could spend a whole podcast series, I think, just on that developing needs analysis, understanding that it happens in all sectors of, of the world, whether it be business or education. I happened to learn this through a Christian education course, actually. And um, so you start with needs. Once you know those, those needs then can turn into goals and goals. uh, Another sub model to, to coming up with goals is a smart goal. 
and and uh, specific, measurable, achievable, reasonable, and then time bound. So well, you you basically create that that goal based on the need, and then the next step is methods or how you're going to accomplish this. Um, along with that would be resources, things that you need in order to make those methods happen. Uh, and then evaluation, how are you going to know that you met your goals, that you fulfilled the needs? In education, we have backwards design as a a model that most people know, and that's Wiggins and McTeague. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds a lot like how I build courses as an instructional designer. Right. Well, and most people do this, you know, uh, implicitly. A lot of people do. They just don't realize that's what they're doing. They basically have three basic, uh, what's the word, steps or areas. The first one is, you know, identifying the desired results. So you start with with the goal that you have in mind and you work backwards from there, right? In education, those are objectives. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you have determining acceptable evidences. So this would be more like evidence or evaluation from that planning cycle that I gave you, along with methods and and maybe resources a little bit. Uh, and then, again, to make this educational, we're talking about not saying your whole thing isn't educational. I mean, to put an educational lens on it. Oh, sure. We have the assessments that we're doing Correct. that are showing the desired results from mm-hmm. step one. Right. And that would be in step two. And then step three is really where you're planning out the the nitty gritty details, uh, the final stage of those experiences or interactions that you're going to have. So that's, in a nutshell, that's Wiggins and McTeague. Um, so either one of those models are helpful. I think for us today, though, um, something that you know, and I also know, is the Wiggins and McTeague model of that planning cycle. Um, but someone might say to me, why in the world this, what, what's the big deal? And it's like, you're going to use this in anything. It could, you could use it in just a unit. You could use it in a whole course. Um, whichever one you use, you're going to, you're going to hit the mark, uh, if you just put it into practice. So for us, I think maybe, uh, if you want, we could use the backward design and yeah, just ask some questions through there. Maybe ask some specific questions and give some examples, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Question-wise, your your first question's, you know, what are my goals? What are my objectives? Um, and then, you know, you don't bring technology into it yet, but you keep technology in mind. So you, you but the first step and for identifying desired results is just, again, just what, what do I want my students to finish the course with? What understandings? What skills do they need based on, you know, it could be um, faculty handbook standards. It could be department standards. It could be, if you're K-12, it could be those state objectives. It could be building objectives, whatever that is. And then the, the sub-question to that is, and I think this is the, I spend a lot of time as an instructional designer with faculty at this point is saying, okay, you have these goals, but are they clear and are they measurable? Mm-hmm. And that's where you bring in Bloom's revised taxonomy, mm-hmm. and you bring in those measurable verbs that help inform that. 
Um, but yeah, that's the questions I think of at least for, for step one anyway. Definitely. I would agree with you. It seems oftentimes to not understanding curricular frameworks or even if they have them. So some disciplines have those frameworks already decided for them. There may be other types of external frameworks and, and that our disciplines need to pay attention to and then make sure that they're fitting in. Then you have your institutional frameworks, right? you got to work with those and then uh, just keep moving backwards uh, into what your goals are and where they fit. Um, some might say, this seems a little onerous to me. Well, I mean, a lot of like those overarching end of course objectives are already determined for you yeah. by the department. Yeah. So in that case, you wouldn't necessarily be defining those, mm-hmm. but you'd be defining the steps along the way to get to those goals. Right. Those are those module or module or unit level objectives mm-hmm. that we talk about often in our office where they're the steps to get to that end goal. Right. And those are going to be most of your knowledge goals, your skill goals, um, even effective domain, how you, how you want them to feel about a certain topic. Uh, and so, you know, that think, feel, do, that's, that's something that I definitely think through when we, even when you're talking about module level objectives. But also part of this, not to add more to the identified, there's a lot in identified desired results. Yeah, maybe we you, should just move. <laughs> no, I, there's one more. I think we ha- the one we haven't talked about is what state are students coming to our course? Like what's their oh, yeah. prior knowledge? Mm-hmm. What, where is my class? We're talking higher ed at this point, or it could be, we could even do K-12 with this, but wh- what's, what knowledge do my students have before they come in? That's where you start with your outcomes. Okay, they already know this, so mm-hmm. I can start later on in the path towards mm-hmm. my end goal. So, And that's a real struggle. That's been a real struggle for a lot of faculty, especially in the gen eds and, and early on, especially given COVID. There was a lot of blank areas, a lot of missed areas, I think. And these students are coming in, and, you know, the course is the course, right? It you don't tend to, or at least most faculty, are supposed to be teaching to the objectives. But when you see that you have such a gap yeah, between what they should be able to do and what they actually do, I think that's something that's probably been a challenge uh, for a lot of faculty. So that's where knowing how to do this, and being able to on the fly change your module learning objectives, determine mm-hmm. what you need to tell your students to get more information on on a certain topic that they should have information on, but they don't, and it's fairly obvious. Um, at a minimum, we want to at least give them resources to be successful. So number two, determine acceptable evidence. And this can be probably one of the most difficult um, stages in this process because it's one thing to say what your goal is. It's another thing to know how to hit it. And um, I think this is where having others around you, other faculty members, um, and it's all based on how you, how you phrase your goals. So what's an example 
An example of an objective? Yeah, an objective, and then, you know, how you would assess it. Compose an argumentative essay. And the way I would assess that is by having the students compose an argumentative essay. (laughs) But I guess my objective should be a little bit more specific, shouldn't it? When you put me on the spot like this, this is what I produce. Compose an argumentative essay that, that properly uses ethos, pathos, logos, argumentative strategies. Okay. So an assessment, you know, I think you have them actually write something. Yeah. Is it timed? No. There is a length requirement, though. In terms of the number of... Words. Words. hmm So specifically, you want them to write, compose an argumentative essay in the length of... 4,000 words. 4,000 words? Oh, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, why not? That's... Hey, I had to do it. Oh, we're going back to that already? Yeah. That was done to me, so I want to do it to that. That's exactly what I'm doing. Now, let's say 2,000 words. But what's your goal, though? My goal is for them to demonstrate that they have an understanding of ethos, pathos, logos, and they can put that into practice with an argumentative essay. And this is at the end of my course. So they've already... They should at least have an understanding of building a five-paragraph essay, citing their sources, intro and conclusion, topic statement, in-text citations. The only thing that's new that I would have introduced during that unit is, and we'd have formative assessments talking about ethos, pathos, logos, Mm. structure of an argument, and then their end product is really just a reflection of that entire unit and a reflection of the entire course, because they're also using all those skills we did before we got into argument. Okay, so you've already built the essay. I've built the process of writing an writing essay. Writing an essay. And research, yeah. Okay. So, you know, coming up with those assessments, from your perspective, is fairly straightforward, I think. Oh, yeah. Because it's already been done, but a lot of times, some of the things that we're measuring really aren't the goals that we had in mind. Um, and one, one example of this is even in your area uh, where things can, the tail starts wagging the dog, so to speak, is using like turn it in it's for AI or plagiarism checking. Right. And the student doesn't understand why they're doing it. They just want to get it done. And so they see a shortcut, Hmm. and they take that shortcut, and it completely destroys the learning process for them and what you were intending. So the goal kind of, you know, goes awry because you're spending your time checking or having to deal with, oh, did they plagiarize? Well, we could spend spend (laughs) months talking about step two alone. Yeah. Formative assessment, summative assessment, learning goals, how are you meeting those? Well, let's move on to step three, and this is where technology shows up. So number three is plan learning experiences and interactions, and this is where we spend a lot of our time with technological tools and uh, where we can ask a lot of questions, especially when you start talking about strategies for learning, whether it be formative or even summative mm-hmm. um, assessments. Could you give us a little rundown just real quick, for those who don't know, just real quick, 
formative sure. and summative in a minute and a half. A minute and a half? I can do it in 30 seconds. Do it. Feels like name that tune. I can do it in two notes, Bob. Go. So summative is your end goal. Formative are the small, tiny goals that inform your end goal at the end. So one is building towards, the other is... Formative is building towards the summative, yes. And the formative can be assessed, but... Well, I should say, the formative can count as points and can count towards a grade, but more on the lines of completion. And it's really a spot check for you, the instructor, to make sure that they're meeting the goals along the way. A a good summative assessment is just a reflection of all the formative assessments you did along the way. Mm -hmm. When you get that summative assessment, if your students are taking that test or doing that essay, it should be a reflection of all the formative assessments they've done along the way. And nothing should surprise you in a summative assessment. Mm. Is that difficult? Yes. But that's ideally what a good summative assessment would be. So when I'm looking at that, think about technological tools that'll help me get there. Some are pretty simple, and a lot of them are already available to most people, especially if they're running like an LMS, right? Yep. So here at CWO, we use Canvas. Other places, you might use Moodle. K through 12, Google Classrooms, or is Schoology still a thing? Schoology is still a thing. So some might use Schoology. Uh, do you know if anybody's using Microsoft Teams at all? In K-12? Yeah. No, because Google's free. Oh. Google Classroom's free, so everyone... Still? Schoology is now called PowerSchool. Oh. Okay. So anyway. So, you know, one of the things, a tool that I might use, well, I I like to use it quite a bit, actually, in the formative area, is um, low-stakes quizzing. Oh, yes. So doing low-stakes quizzing really helps uh, get the... those ideas, skills, or feelings into the, you know, into the learner uh, because they have to go through the quiz. And it, it does have a small grade to to it, but I usually, at least when I do it, I usually let students take it as many times as they want because all I care about is that they interact with the content. So this is where technology can come into play, though, because here's where you bring in those tools that you really like or you want to use to assess your students and the learning experience and instruction. That's where this, these tech integration pieces come into play. But like you said, the tech integration, the, the, the majority of the focus, it seems, in tech integration is the talk of the student's assessment or the student's interaction with the content. Rightly so, because the goal of education is to move students forward. Right, right. From, from point A to point B. So, of course, the focus is going to be, when you're talking about technology integration, of course the focus is going to be on the student. But there is technology that an educator can use in identifying the results, like you said, planning, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's just not talked about. But, but the vast majority of it will definitely be in step three, like you said. So, to wrap up, What are these three steps again, Rob? Identify desired results. So, What are um, my end goals? What are my objectives? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where do I want my students to end up? Uh, And then you're going to determine acceptable evidence. So how do I know I've hit the mark? How do I know my students have gotten 
everything I've wanted them to learn and and then also be able to do or feel. Yep. And then number three, plan learning experiences and interaction or instruction. So it's fairly simple, but there's a lot that goes through that. Uh, and and obviously this is a huge or overview. We're being oh yeah. There's so much more detail we haven't even talked about. Um, you know, a continuing thread, the themes that you want to take through the course. Um, Wakens and McTeague do a really good job of talking about those. Those are really important to have some sort of unifying theme that uh, you take through your course to kind of tie all these things together. Um. It could be a story. It could be an idea. Uh, there, there are lots of different. A nice course theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that's a really good spot for biblical integration to to be, because what's better than the, you know, the knowledge of the Creator of the universe, weaving that through a course and showing how it all fits together? Because all truth is God's truth, and. Um, and, you know, we have the revealed Word of God in the Bible, but we also have general revelation, which most of our courses here at Cedarville are definitely going to look to, you know, because we want to be accurate and truthful in all of our areas of study. And step three, that's where we talk about a lot of technology integration, usually, like we said before. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to share our tech tools. You may be asking, again, you're asking, okay, that's great. But how do I use it? Mm -hmm. We're not going to share that until our next episode where Rob and I will discuss our favorite technology tools. So, Oh, yeah. I can't wait. So we will talk to you then about our favorite technology tools. Be sure to join us in our next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.